let's just be honest with each other. If you're asking me a question like that, that's about my belief system, let's first set some ground rules. What exactly is this conversation about? Yeah. And I'm down to have whatever sure. those conversations right. are. But what's your agenda? But I, I'm not <laughs> walking in blind. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's yeah. not fair to me. And it doesn't give me the opportunity to give you the most honest answer, the most authentic answer that I can. Hi there, this is Study With Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, in the church, and in the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and this week we are talking about expanding our apologetics toolbox with help from Holly's book, Searching for God. We use long-form programming, and this episode is a part of a series. You can get all the rest of the episodes, learn more about the guests in this series, about the resources we provide, and about the larger work that we are doing, all at studywithfriends.org. Now, let's begin today's episode. So, that that does um, cause me to just say one more sort of foundational thing as we launch this conversation. And that is um, how we reason with a non-believer. I heard you say a minute ago that it, it's, it's sometimes, you know, um, startling, off-putting. Um, those probably aren't the right words. It'll shake you up a little bit to have somebody expose their competing idea mm-hmm. and you maybe feel like... You know, you, in the Rolodex of your mind, you're trying to spin through, like, what is the answer here? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, we're going to try to do a lot of that. Hopefully, you and everyone will feel, like, really, really well-equipped. Um, but I, I do want to share my philosophy for reasoning and um, having those conversations. You said a minute ago something that's 100% true, so I'm not... Um, conflicting with what you said. You said in order for us to have these conversations with confidence, we have to have confidence in the gospel Mm -hmm. itself. Like we have to understand and believe and uh, hold as true the things that we are taking in in Bible study, in church, in our quiet time, in our prayer time, uh, in our study time. We have to have a firm foundation of faith. Of course that comes from the Bible, the Bible, Bible, good Bible teaching, preaching. Um, our firm foundation comes from understanding who God is, who the person and work of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is best understood in the context of a Christian church, the Bible. Okay. That is all true. However, one, one I think, fatal mistake that Christians make when they enter these conversations, is they start from inside the Bible. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree with you. And when you're talking to someone who doesn't believe in the Bible, Mm -hmm. you can't start from inside the Bible. I mean, I had a friend I was talking to about these tools that I've sort of developed. I mean, I didn't really develop them. All, all, All people who do apologetics well have some version of these tools. This is my, this was my journey of like, okay, this is, this is my anchor. Um, And when I talk about disarm and deconstruct, that's helpful for me. It's, there's even a reason I made them the same two, you know what I mean? I need something that I can remember because it's hard to keep your thoughts organized when someone's peppering you with difficult questions. So this tool, these tools, 
that I use um, are all starting, I, this is my, my philosophy, they, it all has to start really outside of the Bible. You have to start from, it's like in a, ho- in a house. Um, someone's out walking on the sidewalk and I want to bring them into the house. Am I going to stand in my house with all my doors and windows shut and just yell for them to come into my house? Or am I going to walk outside of my house, meet them on the sidewalk, and develop an invitation that's, that's enticing to them to bring them into the house? Like, I can't, I can't be with you in the house until you've come into the house mm-hmm. with me. And I can yell at you from inside the house, but you're not going to hear me. You might not even see me. And at the end of the day, you have no reason no desire to come into the house. Like that's not your house. <laughs> right. Right. You know? Right. So it's a fatal flaw for us to start with. Oh, here's what. So I was talking to, I, I lost a thread there. I, I was talking to a friend a while ago, talking about these tools that I was kind of kicking around with him. And I was like, you know, here's what I was thinking. I, I think, you know, this could be easier for people. And I have this idea. And he was like, so I said, what would you say? Um, if someone said to you, why is there evil in the world? Just, let's be honest, I think it's the hardest question. Yeah. Um, And he said, well, I would say that Adam and Eve, and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) and I let him go through it. He said, but then there's sin, and uh, that sin entered the world, and, and so that's why we live in a broken world. And I was like, okay. I don't believe in the Bible. So that that landed on deaf ears to me. Mm-hmm. And I think to a certain degree, it alienated us. I would say, made you seem a little kooky, and you're yeah. like, okay, I'm not going to ask that person <laughs> yeah. a question anymore. Yeah. Because they don't believe yet. And mm-hmm. actually, there's there's there are parts in Scripture that tell us, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, don't argue with them. They don't believe what you believe. They don't see what you see. They don't have what you have. And so... When, you know, the Great Commission and all the things that, that in the Bible that tell us to go out and and make disciples, it's important to figure out the how of that. Part of the how is understanding that person, not just beating them with what you were told in church, but listening to them, uncovering what is your competing idea. Because if if you don't believe in something, if you don't believe in A, it's because you probably believe in B mm-hmm. and or you don't believe in anything. And there's plenty of people that that's true of that. They just haven't explored it. Yeah. They just don't care. Yeah. Um, I had a friend once who um, is a adamant atheist. I guess she would call herself an agnostic. OK. And I said to her once, um, you know, we just got into the conversation and she was, I said, well, what about this? And what about this? And she said, well, I guess I just don't feel like I have to have all the answers. And it was very reductive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also true. She's just like, okay. I mean, she accepts that there's some things you're not going to know. Mm-hmm. And whatever. Live your life according to your own set of ethics yep. and your own set of rules. And that's how you do it. And And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of even agnosticism, what she would believe, or atheism. Uh, she would say there is no God, so there's there's atheism there. Um, 
which by the way is an answer mm-hmm. she felt the need to have yeah <laughs> but even in all those competing ideas there are silos so that's what i'd like to kind of talk through um is there anything you want to add to sort of the foundational introduction? Well, just even that the idea of really what you were speaking of, and it, it's, you know, I'm older, um, so I'm very much like, oh, our generation did it better. <laughs> you know, and so I, I, I wholeheartedly admit that. But what I do love about the upcoming generation, right, the 30s and younger, is their, uh, their sense of, I want to say sense of community, but, but I'm going to pull back from that, their sense mm-hmm. of, recognizing um, emotions, right? Because there's more, they, they, they're they trying to find a greater understanding of who they are, mm-hmm. what makes them tick. And the people around them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and what I love about that, and I, I wholeheartedly believe that that is also what God wants us to know, mm-hmm. right? And so there's, there's some truth in that we've probably left a lot of that out in the prior generations and they're coming up and they're, they're finding an understanding in themselves. And for us, that's a beautiful opportunity yeah. to use that to speak to them, yep. right? Like, so we can't hold out and go, well, this is fact and this is right and this is wrong because we process things so much differently and right. now they're starting to understand how they process it. I can't tell you how many personality tests I've done through my kids doing it through school. Mm-hmm. And so they're starting to recognize that they're in IFTP or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever <laughs> it might be. And so then I can go, oh, my son is an IFTP. Mm-hmm. I'm making up these letters. They're not really existing letters, but he, whatever he is, he's a, he's a whatever this is. And so I know that that opens a door for me to speak to him in this way, right? So then me as a believer, it's my responsibility to speak to him mm-hmm. in that way. And so I, I appreciate that recognition and I wish that, that we would take some of that and bring that into our conversations. So it's interesting what you're talking about because what you're exposing is there's even a, so we t- we're talking, I was talking about the competing ideas mm-hmm. and you're even talking about there are generational gaps that we yeah. have to um, bridge to have really compassionate conversations. I agree and with you. Some of those competing ideas, I also believe, come from some of the way in which we, like, I, the, the way I see God mm-hmm. is the way my brain processes mm-hmm. people around me, too. Well, and generationally, I don't know about you, but I have a, um, a 22-year-old, she'll be 22 next week, and a 19-year-old, mm-hmm. and... Um, one of the things they get the most jammed up on is um, LGBTQ mm-hmm. issues. And so I think it's interesting to um, to understand generationally the objections might be different. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I, th- I wish I had the study in front of me, um, but I don't, so I'm going to just, do my best from memory, but I read a study recently that said that Gen Z has less of an issue with the problem of sin and more of an issue with biblical ethics Mm. and morality because uh, they recognize that the world is a broken mess. For them, that's easy. Whereas other generations are bootstraps generations Mm -hmm. saying, I don't need, right. There's nothing wrong with me. So, I think you're exposing something that's helpful, but I also wonder if you would agree that 
even inside each generation, there are people who have those different presuppositions of Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I recognize sin is really a thing or no, I really am more of a bootstraps person. Um, And we will um, explore that when I talk about the tools because there's a universality to the tools. And, and just as a sort of a precursor, the foundation for the tools to get through these conversations is really asking good questions. And uh, one of the ways that I explained it is um, when you're pressed with a question, ask a better question. And even though we were all raised not to answer a question with a question, when you're pressed with a question that's a difficult question, find a better question. Mm-hmm. So even though we, I, I don't know about you, but I was always raised, don't answer a question with a question. I would debunk that yeah. in this situation. Yeah. Um, here's an example. My nephew was grappling with his faith. And he worked with um, a lot of atheists who have, they have these little, they love to use these little, well, what about this? And so he came to me and said, I mean, he was really struggling with this question. He said, can God create a rock even he can't lift? Mm-hmm. And I've gotten s- that question before. <laughs> and I said, um, you know, gently over time. First, my first question was, why are you asking this question? Is this like the be all end all for you? I mean, you know, where are you in the, in the, in the spectrum of faith? Uh, Because I knew that he had been raised in the church. So, so before I rush in with an answer to that, and there is an answer to that, before I rush in with an answer to that, um, I, I want to ask better questions. Like, why are you asking me that question? That was another one that I, and okay, spoiler alert. The better question is, can God create? Mm-hmm. Because then you ha- get to have a question. Then you get to have a conversation about who God really is. And it's not really about the rock. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we can tackle that question in the next series, but. These are, these are ways, these are questions that people get jammed up on. Um, I remember when um, gay marriage was like a political hot button and people were um, voting uh, for and against uh, candidates. This was probably 10 years ago now, uh, based on whether they would um, approve gay marriage as a legal, whatever. And, I mean, I think pretty much everybody who knows me knows that I'm a Christian. And I got that question a lot. Like, do you believe in gay marriage? (laughs) And I'm like, why do you care what I think about that? That was my question. Yeah. Not because I knew they were trying. Sometimes a person's trying to trap you. Yeah. Sometimes they just want to get into a fight. And so instead of me jumping in with my soapbox Mm -hmm. and all my whatever arm armament, I just asked a, a different question. Like, why do you care what I think about that? Mm-hmm. Like, what are, you, what, are, what are you looking for in this conversation? Are you looking for, to understand my biblical beliefs? Are you really looking for that? Or are you looking to develop some belief system of your own? Or are you just thinking that I'm one of those Christians who hates people, right. who disagree with her, and you want to nail me on that? Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest with each other. If you're asking me a question like that, that's about my belief system, 
let's first set some ground rules. What exactly is this conversation about? Yeah. And I'm down to have whatever sure. those conversations right. are. But what's your agenda? But I, I'm not walking in blind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's yeah. not fair to me. And it doesn't give me the opportunity to give you the most honest answer, the most authentic answer that I can. So that's ask a better question is one of my yep. one of my big ones. But in order to do that, you have to kind of understand yeah. foundationally what's happening in the conversation. Okay. So we talked about uh, we talked about the Christi- the state of Christianity. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about cultural Christianity. I referenced um, the couple in the video that partners with this series. So now we're going to talk about um, cultural Christianity a little bit. And I want to um, just banter that about a little bit. Uh, because in the previous episode, we talked about um, the state of Christianity. We talked a little bit about the couple in the video that partners with this series, uh, with this book, um, who, when asked, said they were Christians, but then couldn't really define what Christianity was. Um, and so let me, I use the word inoculation because I think, it's, I think it was Tim Keller uh, who is a king, um, <laughs> who uh, really uh, mentions it. Uh, it is on the video, but I, but I wrote it in, in its full quote in the book. Um, I'm going to take the facilitator's liberty to read this section of the book because I think it'll set the table for the conversation, and I'm on page 26. So Tim Keller says... Uh, America is perhaps the most challenging mission field yet because no one has ever had to evangelize on a large scale a society that used to be Christian. Certainly there have been many times in the past when the church was in serious decline and revival revitalized the faith and society. But in those times, society was still nominally Christian. So I want to talk about what nominally Christian means. There hadn't been a wholesale erosion of the very concepts of God and truth and of the basic reliability and the wisdom of the Bible. Things are different now. I'm going to stop there. Do you agree with that? Yes. Pick it apart a little bit. Well, so I, uh, seeing other areas, so I I feel like I bring this up all the time as well, but uh, having some ability to go into other countries, Lebanon was one of them, and it was a key. I, I went there and uh, for a Christian mission trip, and to see that there is growth there, right? There are some pockets that are shooting up, mm-hmm. and to see here just what feels to me as it's stagnant. And, and even you had brought up in our last episode uh, in COVID how, uh, you know, during that time, people actually left the church, mm-hmm. which in the past, 9-11 was a perfect example. Mm-hmm. The church exploded. Mm-hmm. And so in times of great fear, people had run to the church. And yet in this, in the time of great fear, people had run away from the church. And so to see those kinds of things happening in our generation, I believe that that's true. I believe that's what we see. And so we were a country that was a believing country Mm -hmm. that we kind of just took it for granted Mm -hmm. that God was who God was and we followed Jesus. 
and maybe not everybody in a very deep form, but it just was understood. And now we're coming to a different end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Whereas as I've heard, and I don't know how true this is, but people are coming from different countries to us as mission field. Mm -hmm. So people are coming here from other countries where there are Christian explosions. And we actually read that Africa is exploding the most. It's one of the biggest Christian nations and we are on the steady decline. Yeah. Some people call that a post-Christian culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good way to name it. Um, and what he, what he means by nominally Christian. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, I think he and I might define nominally Christian. I would define nominally Christian as Christian. Oh, no, I think he and I define it the same. Nominally Christian means Christian in name. Um, it's, it's my experience and some of the, um, folks on the video mention that when they came to this country, they were surprised that people weren't really Christians because I think the rest of the world, at least for some time, I don't know if they still do, thinks of America as a Christian yeah. country, but it, when you get here, you recognize it's not, uh, we aren't certainly are not living out Christian beliefs. We're not talking about God and Jesus. We're not. Uh, we're not foundationally behaving as a Christian culture. This program is produced by Study With Friends. Learn more about us at studywithfriends.org and sign up there for email devotionals or download our Bible studies for free. If you are blessed by our work, please consider supporting our ministry with a donation. We believe in the local church. Please find a congregation where you can plug in and experience all aspects of the Christian life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we study with friends.